Welcome to Rebranding Branding, Discover Your Brand Mojo, hosted by brand strategist and provocateur, Darren Taylor. Rebranding Branding is a provocative podcast, redefining what brand is and how it can supercharge your organization. We inspire you to take your brand from beige to bold. Today's esteemed guest is Natalie O'Brien, who is the director of Natalie O'Brien & Co., and they're customer experience strategists. And today, we're looking forward to talking about the therapeutic effect of COVID-19 on the Australian visitor economy. Good morning, Natalie. Good morning, Darren. Wonderful to be here. Fabulous. Now, such such an interesting topic and so topical with uh, with, with with COVID nineteen and 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 the bushfires. So, um, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? I know we've we've known each other for a number of years and and been privileged to do a bit of work together, but um, and uh, you you did spend about sixteen years as the CEO of the Melbourne Food and Wine Show. Correct. Um, Perhaps you could just uh, share a little bit of your experience with, with, with our listeners. Absolutely. I, I, I think that hospitality and looking after customers is in my DNA. I come from four generations of hoteliers. So from a very young age, I spent time watching my grandmother, who was a widow with five children, developing a really, really successful hospitality business. And I, I think it probably wasn't until I was an adult that I reflected how much of that infused into my system. Wow. So as you say, I, I went on to work for the state tourism, but then took on the role of running Melbourne Food and Wine Festival. And I was having such a great time. I stayed for many more years than I expected. Wow. It was 16 years, wasn't it? That's right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, so you've recently pivoted, as they say, uh, and 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 now running your own consultancy, helping um, small and medium businesses in the in the visitor economy um, survive and thrive. So, uh, and I suppose that that's um, it's it's quite timely because I'm sure there's a lot of organisations out there that needing your help. <laughs> Absolutely. As you said earlier, um, coming through bushfires and then heading into COVID was not a scenario that I think anyone in the visitor economy would have planned for. And so in January of this year, um, many of the regions across the state were dealing with the recovery for bushfire and, and then this landed on them. So it's certainly been a, a very tough time for the visitor economy. And when I talk about the visitor economy, I'm talking about businesses from tour operators to transport, accommodation and hospitality. And so it is quite a diverse sector. And of course, events is a big part of that as well. And all of these businesses have been severely impacted. And you're right, at the moment, some of them are opening, some of them have innovated and changed slightly their offerings. So it really is an important time to be side by side these businesses, helping them come out the other side. Mm. Well, I think the, the Australian visitor economy has been uh, very much uh, in, in the spotlight because of, uh, of, of, of how uh, marked the, uh, the, the, the impact has been with, with COVID in particular. Um, and uh, so, could you perhaps just talk to, from your perspective, what have you what have you seen as being the impact? 
Yeah, I guess uh, for all of us, we have seen the industry go through various stages. And I guess initially it was really the shock of having to shut down and basically close out the customers that the industry had had been enjoying. And, and the first lot of those were obviously the visitors from international and uh, other states. And then, of course, customers that were close by. I think that the industry uh, is an incredibly resilient and very passionate industry and has been working through the weeks and months, working out how they come out the other side and the sorts of things that they've been looking at are what are the sort of offerings that they have to the marketplace, what are the sort of systems what are the physical and environmental uh, scenarios that could be changed? And so there's been a lot of deep thinking about what it is that they might come out with the other side. Um, I was talking to a couple of operators yesterday about how they have changed. And I think the point is that the industry is going to have to continue to change and be very agile as we go through the different stages. And I was talking to this particular uh, adventure park that their traditional business, they've been around for 30 years, is to host groups of people. So there's either school groups or during the wedding season, wedding season. And a couple of weeks they reopened and I loved it. They said it was sort of almost like an exclusive opportunity to come as a small mm. group in a family because for 30 years, this has been a group's business. And some of the things they looked at were physical locations of bathrooms and facilities. They were looking at some of their staff changing their roles from taking 30 children rock climbing to personal guides for families. And I was really inspired by the conversation in terms of the way they had completely changed their audience, but also changed the physical offering and the way their staff would interact with those customers. Wow, okay. So could you just clarify what we mean by the Australian visitor economy? What does that include? The Australian visitor economy, I think, in and it, it's a really interesting use of, of language, is we often talked about it in the past as tourism. And I think people saw that as, okay, that's, that's going to an attraction and accommodation. Mm -hmm. And I think over the last five years, we've really understood the, the visitor economy to be any activity that a visitor engages with while they're visiting a destination. And so that can include the uh, bicycle that they hire in the main street. It can be the breakfast and the lunch. It can be the attraction that they visit. And also the beautiful, uh, in the case of Ballarat, where I do some work, some beautiful uh, woolen and warm clothes to wear. So I think over time we've realised that the visitor economy is far broader than just a hotel room. And I think, Darren, during this particular crisis, we're seeing the effect of uh, no visitation to areas because uh, it affects the broader economy. It's not just the hotel industry. Someone who spends a dollar in a hotel, that dollar is multiplied and goes to other people within the community. And um, I think really where we're getting a strong awakening that the visitor economy is much broader than just the things that we've traditionally talked about. Mm. So that definition has, has, has become uh, um, uh, more relevant and, and um, more utilised just, just in, that, in, the, in the last few months or so. 
Absolutely. And I think the other thing is that the hospitality sector um, has probably seen how important visitors are for filling and sharing the seats inside restaurants as well. So uh, when we look at the CBD and how quiet it is at the moment, we, we realise many of those people enjoying beautiful meals and glasses of wine were people from outside of that area and so yeah i think hospitality is also feeling um the, the lack of visitors uh, impacting on their business i hope you are enjoying today's podcast do you know if your brand is aiding or abetting you why not take our free health check today go to rebrandingbranding.com.au forward slash health check simply fill in the form and we will send you your results you you sort of uh hover above the Australian visitor economy um, with wearing the various hats that you do on, on, on boards and in advisory roles and, uh, and, and in your own consultancy. So um, what have you learnt about, um, you did mention resilience uh, earlier, uh, what have you learnt about the, uh, the, the operators in this, in this space? Yeah, I think that uh, it has been a uh, an important time for self-reflection for all of us in our businesses. And I think that particularly in the visitor economy, we're going to see the most competitive period that we've ever seen. And so at the moment with closed borders, in terms of Victoria, we're looking at attracting visitors from within our own state. Mm. And so I think the sort of things that the industry is looking at is how do I make sure that I am true to the experience that I promise? How do I make sure that the customer feels that experience from the very moment they have an idea of coming to visit me from a, from a friend or a website, right the way through that experience on site, how they're greeted, how they feel, and then how they come out the other side in terms of are they an advocate? Did they feel that warm goodbye as they left? And will they then spread the word? So I think that the industry is really looking at their product through the eyes in a consumer that perhaps when you're running a business don't actually have the opportunity to stand back and take a look from the perspective of the customer. Mm. And I've heard many businesses talk about uh, focusing on things like we want to make sure that we were welcoming, but we're even more welcoming than we were before. I've heard industry talk about we've been focusing on the music and, and the sorts of feeling that you'll have when you walk into our venue. We want it to be fun. We want it to be lively. And I think that businesses have been looking at all sorts of things in terms of pricing as well. When we talk about a... Mm intrastate market we're not looking at uh, a spend from a visitor so therefore how do we modify the products and the supply chains so i think indeed it's been a very busy time for industry as they work through all of those different components of their business to make sure it's fit for the new market that we're heading into so would you would you go as far as saying that COVID has had a, a therapeutic effect on 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 the australian industry Look, that is, a, that is a, a challenging question, but I am a half glass full kind of girl. And um, I think having served many a beer uh, in the family pub, that certainly this was imposed on us and it has been hugely traumatic for many businesses. But 
I do feel uh, really uh, um, motivated and inspired by talking to individuals, particularly in the sector that we're talking about, whether they're cafes or restaurants or attractions or accommodation, whilst they've been through a horrendously tough time, the ideas and green shoots as you start to talk about uh, are definitely being worked on. And I feel like businesses have changed part of their business forever for, for better and for good. Right. Okay. So it's been a, it, like it has in many, in, in most industries, it's been a, a forced reset, uh, a forced review, a forced refocus. Uh, and, and that can only uh, bring good, for, 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 for the future, yeah. So um, I have to ask this question uh, every time um, because we are rebranding branding. Uh, and I'd be interested to know uh, how you define brand. Yes, this is a, a, a really important question. And I, in my own words, describe brand as the commitment that the organisation gives to the customer at every single point along that journey. And I think as businesses, and certainly at my time in working in, in the events sector, is that sometimes we miss some of those opportunities, which in fact are negative towards our brand. So mm. yeah, I see the brand commitment being very important and how do we actually stay true to that brand? I think that the time has given businesses that chance to look at every component of their business. And as you say, there are different phases in terms of consideration. So for some businesses that was refreshing their website or uh, re-looking at their photographic library and really looking at how they're portraying themselves from an outside person in terms of their business. Yeah. In terms of the physical space, and, and this is a love, an area that I absolutely love is, and I've seen incredible transformations I went into an accommodation uh, business day before yesterday and there's a beautiful turquoise wall that they've reinvented that was previously white. Um, there's a fabulous bookshelf that they've put in with lots of family recipes, which was just not there before. So I think that um, whether it's that consideration play uh, or what's actually happening in terms of the ambience of a place is, is really, really important. Mm. And Darren, I use the analogy of coffee in terms of because I know in Melbourne and indeed Australia, we love our coffee. And if you look at coffee in terms of a, being a commodity in terms of a bean, it's yeah. really only a couple of cents per, per um, coffee pour. Or we can go to somewhere to like 7-Eleven and receive a pretty reasonable cup of coffee for a dollar. And if we really want to build it into an experience, then we want to walk into a cafe where we feel the barista's got this warm smile as we walk in. We can smell the aroma of the coffee. There's a great tune playing in the background. And in fact, that barista might even remember that you have a soy latte with, you know, hot water on the side or, or whatever it is. And so I think that we can get a premium from delivering a really strong experience over and above a base coffee bean or a service station pickup of coffee. And I think that in the competitive environment that we're going in, 
making sure that every aspect of that experience is the best that it's going to be is going to be incredibly important for businesses to get through this really challenging period. Yeah, great. So we've clearly got some challenges in planning because um, international restrictions are less clear in terms of when they're going to ease um, and domestic more, more clear. So are you finding that um, tourism operators are actually planning for more for the domestic uh, sort of uh, easing and, 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 and the uplift in demand? And what are they doing about the, the, the international piece, that big sort of uh, question mark? Yeah, absolutely. For the first time in history, we're really dealing with these borders that will be kind of reshaping the customers that we'll be experiencing. So at this period of time in Victoria, it is purely the intrastate market. And I guess in a lot of way, that's appealing to some of the people that normally at this time of year might head offshore or indeed to warmer pastures up north. And so I think from a Victorian industry perspective, we need to reconnect the Victorian consumer with parts of their childhood or their nostalgia or on the converse, actually find experiences that they may never have uh, uh, had the time or the, or, or the inkling to do. And so that's really about discovering a layer deeper. We as Victorians might say we know it really well. So that's going to be the first wave of customer is actually getting Victorians to dig a little bit deeper and uh, connect with nostalgia or childhood memories or indeed go another layer and find something further. We don't know when the borders will open. South Australia will open their borders and Queensland probably quite quickly afterwards. So Victoria needs to be very ready at the gates to go when we start competing with the other states. So at the moment, we've got Gippsland will be competing against Grampians versus the high country. The minute the states open, we will have all of the other states competing for the same market. And in terms, Darren, of international markets, I heard the Federal Tourism Minister last night to talk about that it may be the last quarter of 2020, but in fact, it may be the first quarter of next year. And again, that will be a selected, and the language they're using is bubble. So that travel bubble, you know, may not actually come to realisation till the first quarter of next year. So I think one of the things that the industry is very aware of is incredible competition for a largely domestic market yeah okay yeah it's 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 like um it's a very rare moment um you've got, we've got a brief moment to re-strategize re refocus and uh and then it's and then it's a land grab isn't it like no other that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's been this incredible uh, collaboration that's going on in all sectors. I ha have seen so many webinars and consumer sentiments. So there's been this huge generosity of bringing everybody up to the same level of speed. But I certainly think there will be a moment when the gates are fully opened and it will be highly competitive. And I think in a market like that, it means that um, we'll see some really interesting communications as, as destinations and individual businesses in the visitor economy really try and get ahead and connect with those consumers. I think it will be a really interesting time. Yeah. So what sort of practical advice would you give uh, operators in the tourism economy 
Um, and certainly some of those thoughts may, may apply more broadly in other industries too. But what sort of practical advice would you, would you give an operator preparing uh, for this, uh, um, you know, the, uh, the rise of the curtain? That's right. Mm. So at the moment, it really is uh, a landscape where we're uh, open to 20 people and then, of course, next week open to 50. And so it still is that period of time where businesses should be looking at their uh, anything from their cash flows to their staffing and what sort of capabilities do they need in this new environment that they've got. So I think in a lot of ways, businesses are testing what works and doesn't work with these smaller numbers and I think that's a really important thing is to expect that something's going to work for one month or one week it may not work the next so it's really like a a testing and an understanding of what's actually physically going to work um, I think an area in terms of the revitalization and when people come out in that competitive market that we've spoken about I think it's really um, having a look at what are the important things that are going to enable them to work in this environment. And I think um, staff and IT are, are two important areas for organisations to really look at. We've seen that IT has enabled us to do virtual meetings every other day and do training and those sorts of things mm. is for businesses to have a look at and say, how does this help with efficiencies in my business? How does digital and technology help me to connect with consumers ongoing. And then in terms of their people, how do they train their people and have people ready to deal with an audience in some ways that is waiting to get out the gate, but <laughs> other parts of the community that are still a little bit nervous and a little bit reticent to get out there. Mm -hmm. How do we train our staff, not only in the very clear guidelines of sanitation, but how do we deal with customers in a way that explains that, um, you know, there's no cutlery on the table or there's no condiments, but please let us know if you like your favourite, you know, hot double chilli sauce or, or those sorts of things is, is making that gap for the people that are coming out in different ways. And so I think it's going to be important for businesses to equip their staff who are equally going to have some nervousness about them as well. So I think two of the areas is really about how data, IT and digital can help businesses come out the other side, but indeed, how do they take care of their people and how do their people connect with the customer to make this experience as, as comfortable as possible? Yeah, and I think drawing on, on something you said earlier around um, in this sort of time of navel-gazing, uh, the good operators are actually really connecting with their, with their, with their purpose and really... Uh, accentuating the things that make them different and unique and, and remarkable and really um, uh, amplifying those both at the communications level, whether it's through, uh, you know, their, their, their marketing materials, the, the website and so on, as well as in the experience. So when people actually come that it's, and that it's all very integrated and aligned. So um, because it is going to be more and more competitive isn't it? Absolutely. And I've seen some really clever businesses communicating very transparently of what stages they're actually going to. And one uh, quite 
a standout for me is Attica, which is one of our mm. steam restaurants in Melbourne. And um, I saw that Ben Shuri has been teaching himself to play guitar and <laughs> one lucky customer on the end of the take home had a serenade from Ben. Um, ben has set up a soup kitchen for some of the visa workers that were out of work and, and didn't have money. And I guess as we've seen Attica, uh, you know, a top 50 restaurant in the world, he has modified activities. He's had a cake sale, but he's demonstrated it through social media. So we understand his journey yeah. in a really transparent way. And I think we've connected with his story and I bet everyone can't wait till he opens again as he was, but have been really enjoying the changes along the way. It's very much that show don't tell you know the credibility of actually just showing something being it rather than telling everyone that you're you know that absolutely you're and, and sensitive and human and like everyone else yeah exactly yeah. and i and, and that's really resonated and i think there's lots of great examples of that as well can you think of another one um just 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 quickly that uh that really stands out to you because i know yeah. that the, the other one that I love, and, and you, you can see that I always lean back to hospitality because I think it is in my veins, but I loved again, um, and this is an international example, that Noma, one of the number one yeah. restaurant for a time in the world, has reopened this month, but as a, um, a hamburger and wine bar. So <laughs> on the menu uh, for a place where the wait list was six months yeah. is that locals who may not have had that accessibility can sit in the garden. And I think it's a cheeseburger and a veggie burger are the two offerings. And so what it's done is created this relationship with this world renowned restaurant. And I think the burgers are $18 and normally a beautiful degustation in the restaurant would be, you know, 350 plus the wine and, and the drink. And so I think that's a lovely salute to the Danish people that this world-renowned restaurant has created an opportunity to connect with the local community. And it'll be interesting to watch that journey, Darren, as, as the restaurant gets closer to realising its new position in the market. Yeah, I mean, that's a lovely story. I think I saw that myself. So thank you, Natalie. It's been absolutely uh, riveting talking to you this morning. And uh, if, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, because you are a font of of knowledge in this area. How do they do that? I think the best way to connect with me is my website, which is Natalie O'Brien and Co. And my Co is this incredible group of collaborators that I've met over my time at Melbourne Food and Wine and in tourism that uh, join me on different projects. So I would love to hear uh, from anyone uh, interested in, 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 in talking more about the customer. Great. Thank you so much, Natalie. So thanks for joining us today. If you have a burning comment or question, please ping me at talk to me at rebrandingbranding.com.au and we'll see you next time. I hope today's episode of Rebranding Branding, the podcast, blew your hair back. Remember to subscribe to the podcast through your preferred platform. And if you haven't already, don't forget to download your copy of Rebranding Branding, the book, at rebrandingbranding.com.au. See you next time to discover your brand mojo.